This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Can I just say thank you for coming out on such a a windry, wet night here in Northern Ireland. And you're used to that, aren't you? (laughs) You are. It is an absolute delight and privilege to come to uh, serve alongside Pastor Dave and Sally. And that is the way I see it. I am here to serve you this evening. And I hope that I can be like the voice of God to you. I hope that there would be a responsiveness in your spirit and that together we would engage with Jesus. I want to come straight in on the Word of God tonight. Would you like to open your Bible to Matthew's Gospel once again? And this time we're moving into chapter 21. We have addressed the request of uh, really mother, but the two boys, James and John, who were asking to be at the right and left at the side of Jesus. We have linked them to the two men who received their sight by the miracle touch of Christ, recognizing that in the miracle of them receiving vision, the Lord Jesus Christ was saying that every man, every woman who draws breath will need the divine touch of God in order that they might see beyond the natural through the word of God and through the illumination of the spirit. We now move into what we refer to as the triumphal entry. And let me read this account for you. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, in the, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her and tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord, I don't know about you, I like the word master there, that the master The Lord, the master needs them, has need of them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet the Naz- uh, from Nazareth in Galilee. Events are moving nearer the cross now. And as Jesus walks along the road, 
as he goes through each phase, moving nearer his darkest time, he is still teaching the disciples. He is still demonstrating his authority. He is still displaying the power and the right that he had as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This triumphal entry displays for us the blindness, reveals to us the blindness of religion, and in particular, the blindness of Judaism. Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables. Perhaps tonight in this temple, there may well be some turning over of tables. What would Jesus turn over in our lives as we present our hearts to God tonight? This is a prophetic, a prophetic image of the cleansing of the house of God that had been defiled, that had been polluted by the corruption of men who sought personal gain. For how sad it is, friend, when we look across the church and what is happening around the world and how the world is presented, the image that is presented to the world. If you ask many the question, what do you think about the church? What would come into their mind? Would finance and the need for money, would the begging for money, would that come into the minds of those who don't know Christ? What image is being presented to the world? And friends, this image that Jesus saw when he entered the temple, it caused such an outrage of righteous indication in the spirit and the mind of the king of kings. And he went into the house that belonged to him, his father's house. And in the father's house, he saw that which should not take place. And as we allow God to put his, uh, his all-knowing gaze upon our lives, now we are the temple of God. What does he see? And so Jesus turned over the tables. And then if we were to read on, you'd find it goes on into the cursing of the fig tree. The Lord is saying a whole new dispensation of time is about to commence. The time of law is over. The time of the old ritualistic religion is over. How many of us have become so religious and bound in our practices and our traditions that have very little to do with the liberty of God? The image presenting that the wine skin had burst. The old wine skin would not be able to contain the new wine. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ will pour into the hearts of men and women from every age, every tribe, every culture. But the children could see it, and they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. And as they entered the city, many asked, who is this? Just a prophet from Nazareth? Just a prophet according to Islam. Just a character in history who rebelled against the Roman rule according to Judaism. No, this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Matthew, like other writers of the Gospels, positioned these things in such a way in his story so we could understand that God was looking for the total transformation in the hearts and the minds of men and women who would follow him. He wasn't looking for just a development or success to prosper somebody or to just maybe cause them to have an easier life. This was an absolute work of transformation that Jesus was revealing that would be necessary. They must reach the point where they are totally willing to be servants of God. Willing servants. Willing. My people will be willing in the day of my power. Are we there yet? Must be like Christ in the world, representing the Savior to the world. Oh, the disciples could never be like him whilst they were full of all his self-power and all his self-strength and all his ambition and personal drive to accomplish things for self. Put me on the throne on the left or the right. Only by the opening of their spiritual eyes would they be able to see like Christ and understand this was complete transformation of nature that God was speaking of. And as we move into the main body of this message tonight, I simply want to highlight two wonderful truths. It's simple tonight. Firstly, we are appointed to reign in life through Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, Whoa, that's good news. <laughs> Glory. We are appointed to reign in life through Christ. James and John had a desire to put self upon the throne. And unless Christ dealt with the old man in them and in us, we would approach life and service with the same spirit. And God has to bring us to brokenness and to the relinquishment of our own throne in order for him to reign and ruling us. Would you like to ask your neighbor a question with real authority? Ask them, so who's on the throne? 
<laughs> Who's on the throne of the heart? Let me remind you of some of the Old Testament shadows. I love types and shadows. I love what it explains, these wonderful examples. And these examples I'm speaking of are woven around the life experiences of King David in the Old Testament, who typifies and shadows Christ. Jesus is the man who will eternally sit upon the throne of David forever. The word says God will never fail to have a man upon the throne. Hallelujah. The man Christ Jesus. Isn't that a miraculous revelation that right now in the throne room, the man Christ Jesus is seated. Hallelujah. Reigning and ruling until all his enemies are subdued they are his footstool friends bear in mind that the time of the earthly kings in jewish history only happened because the people rejected the lord as their king and pleaded that they have an earthly man of flesh on the throne God said to the people that by that very cry and action, they were forsaking him and turning to other gods by asking that mere flesh be allowed to be upon the throne. And it's an image of the heart of every one of us who constantly says, I will be in control. And I know with all my heart that one of the greatest hindrances and barriers for the development of the body of Christ is still that man requires and desires that he is in control. We are worried and fearful about allowing God in all his glory and power and fullness and the leading of his spirit without restriction and barrier. We are worried about what man might think. We are more comfortable with a flesh man on the throne. Long for the day. I'm sure you do when, as the body of Jesus, we come in and we gather together and the atmosphere is pregnant with the glory and the fullness of the Spirit of God. I said I've spent some time with people in my fellowship. I referred to it this morning, asking the question, where are those times when we are so consciousness of the awesomeness of Almighty God that we are unable to move or even feel we can breathe. I remember those times when I was a boy. Have we become so structured and so polished and professional in how we do church that actually the Lord is saying, 
Sounds nice, but when will you make room for me? So the earthly kings, we actually call it in biblical knowledge and history, don't we? We call it the time of the kings. The first king, King Saul, Saul himself, warns the people that the one who rules over you will dominate and control all you possess. He will take your sons and your daughters as slaves to serve in his kingdom. The day will come when we cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. That actually comes from the mouth of Saul himself. Talk about God speaking through a donkey. And yet the desperation and the cry among the camp of the people of God was such that God permitted it. And yet all the time, God had his own man waiting in the wings, trained, equipped, ready for the throne. And even Saul himself at times, in his frustration, and his aggravation of spirit, would need to call the shepherd boy king to come in and play and sing. The songs about the lamb. The songs he'd learned on the fields whilst tending the sheep. An image of a pastor. One who had trained and appointed by God. Ready to rule. And he would sing and bring rest to the agitated spirit of Saul. And at times Saul would throw a spear at him. Threatened by the anointing. I've known what that's like. Threatened by what you carry in God. Don't understand how to handle you. Can't control you. You don't quite fit into how I think ministry should be. Saul couldn't contain his jealousy under threat. The old king knew the new boy, the new king, would sit enthroned and he shadows Jesus, points to Christ. But David didn't try to put himself on the throne. He was able to wait for the appointed time of God. It was his destiny. He was already anointed for it. We hear a lot about destiny now, don't we? Perhaps as we move towards the end time, 
people might get a glimpse of the possibility of laying down their lives for Jesus. How does that feel about you, make you feel about your destiny? <laughs> ah! <coughs> that doesn't quite fit into the, you know, incredible message that we hear all the time about how amazing it is to know that God's got your destiny mapped out. Yes, it's true. But as we move into this next season of church and we realize what could possibly happen, not only in other parts of the world, but right where we are someday, we realize that God has a higher purpose than just making the saints happy. You have a greater purpose and a greater destiny and the hand of God rests upon you for the kingdom and the work for such a time as this, not just so you can know the success in worldly life. He is calling us today. He is calling us over this weekend that we might have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of nature, a change of sight. And so we are ready, matured, trained, equipped, honed in our gifting, and ready for whatever God calls us to do. And the way to your throne, the way to the throne of rulership and reigning with Christ is not by climbing high yourself, but by kneeling and falling prostrate before him as we heard about John this morning. King David was already anointed for this. Let me say this, just as Saul was rejected as king by the Lord, so the flesh man in every one of us will never be accepted by God to reign and rule in life. There is a new man living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. There is a transformed man living on the inside of you. He is the man after God's heart. Male and female alike. The man of God, not the man of flesh, the new man, ready to rule and reign with Christ. The new man does not set up himself or sit upon his own throne through self-power and strength. Rather, he has died to sin and self. Sin shall no longer have mastery over you. You will reign because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Thanks be to God. God can deal with the soul man in every one of us. Then secondly, there's King David, a shadow of Jesus. Listen to these beautiful statements of his life. Paul, I'm, I'm hoping that you corrected all this because my spelling was absolutely shocking when I read this. <laughs> I 
know, David, when it, what it's like when, when you, you're going under the revelation of God in your office and you can't type quick enough. <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying, well, I've got that bit down, but I don't want to miss the other bits, Lord. Hang on there. Great feeling, isn't it? Great feeling. You know, if you've never known that, friend, open the book and start to become a student of the Word of God. There's nothing like it. Sometimes I have to force myself out of my office to do the other ministry that goes with being pastor. <laughs> Glory to God. Shadows. Listen to the statements about this beautiful shepherd boy appointed as king. He had learned to protect the lambs from the bear. He knew how to bend low at the river and choose smooth stones shaped by years through the washing of the word and the spirit. He had learned to use that which God had placed in his hand. He refused to wear the armor of Saul. By the way, I've, I've tried that. It doesn't fit. There'll always be somebody who will try to put their armor on you. But it doesn't fit. You must be you. You must be free. You must be free. Do not be hemmed in. Do not be pulled down. Do not be restricted. You must be free. Hallelujah. Maybe tonight God is calling someone to throw off some restriction or restraint that has been placed around you, perhaps by someone who has never been as free as you and never perhaps will be. The old religion or the old way. He faced his Goliath that challenged the authority of God in him. He refused to use personal opportunity to put himself on the throne. He had the opportunity of killing Saul, but he didn't. He refused and he proved he would not try to achieve his own destiny by means of the flesh. He served under Saul before he rose to the throne. He waited for God's timing. And God placed David upon the throne in order to point to the true spiritual king, Jesus, that would be raised up by God, the Lord himself. All shadows and types are imperfect. They're meant to be. Because they point to the reality of the king. So David failed. But if David had not experienced what he experienced on the journey, perhaps he could have come to the throne and been like another Saul. You see, David had a Saul on the inside. And God knew that he needed to deal with the physical Saul to put to death the inner Saul if he was going to know the complete victory and reign and rule. You know the amazing thing about, Saul, about David is he never threw the spear back. There was no wrong retaliation. There was no aggression or anger in that man at that point. And so God was able to raise him to the throne. He arrived at a deep place with God. 
And yet David, chosen for the throne because of what God saw in his heart, even though his heart was good and pure before God, David himself on his journey, listen to this, he was betrayed. He was lied about. He was hated. He was feared. Man plotted his downfall, but God protected him. Would you like to turn to your neighbor and say, you see, I told you, it's not an easy road to the throne. Friends, the journey we travel might not necessarily mean physical life being threatened. But in this season and in the future, it may well be like that. There are many spiritual bears. There are many Goliaths and souls that you will face on the road. You'll handle them because you are the Lord's anointed. Hallelujah. I stand before you and remind you, you are the Lord's anointed. You are the body. The physical body of Jesus is in glory. The spiritual body of Jesus is on the earth to reign and to rule. And bring the government of God wherever we put our feet. And that's you. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow, you are something. <laughs> Glory to God. Yes, how awesome it is to be part of the body of Christ. But we'll face bears, we'll face Goliaths, and we'll face souls. And God will be glorified because we won't throw spears. The temptation is retaliation. The temptation is defend yourself. Listen, the Lord Jesus himself is your great defender. He's the captain of the host and he's your rear guard. Would you like to turn to your neighbor again and say, the Lord has got your back covered, don't worry. <laughs> I have certainly needed that en route. I can tell you that for sure. And then the second thing I want to talk about is this. We are appointed to reign and to rule with Christ eternally, in eternity and eternally. When we step forward into New Testament times, these days, this new season, this dispensation I was speaking of, when we are this side of the death and the resurrection of Christ, we are challenged by the true eternal King, the Son of David, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself appointed to the throne. I think it's marvelous for us to settle once and for all that the moment that someone receives Christ, they have become someone who reigns and rules with Christ. But also they will soon realize there is a battle between the shepherd and the bear. There is a battle between the lamb and the wild beast. 
And of course, I speak of the inner struggle between the flesh and the spirit man in you and I. The battle, the Saul and the David battle. First, we face the Goliath. Is that Satan in the valley of decision? Then we face the battle between Saul and David. The battle is for the throne. Come with me quickly to Romans chapter 7 and 8, where Paul actually picks up this tremendous subject of reigning and ruling with Christ. Romans 7, 21 to 25. Now, if you're all theological and deep looking at me, say, oh, pastor, no, no, Jesus won the battle. Listen to what the apostle Paul said about it. We know he won the battle and defeated the enemy, but we are still in the physical body. Chapter 7, verse 21 says this, So I find this law at work when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I I am who will rescue me from this body of death thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then I myself in my mind I'm a slave to God's law but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin we pick it up chapter 8 verse 12 therefore brothers we have an obligation hallelujah what a powerful challenge that is for us tonight our obligation But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I'd love to finish there, but there's another verse. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also share in, may share in his glory. You don't hear many sermons about suffering nowadays. We don't have a theology well presented on suffering, particularly in Pentecostal circles. Well, that won't fit into the hyper-faith message, will it? But come on, let's be real. There is a message in the word here that reveals to us that sometimes we do go through times of suffering for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
and the furtherance of the kingdom of God. You may well have been through a time like that yourself. And unless you understand that it is a sacrificial service unto God, you may have a wrong perception about what you're facing. I'm not referring to sickness. I'm referring to what we go through for the sake of the work of the kingdom of God. This is not an easy message to deliver. It won't be popular but there may well come times as the years roll on when we do see more suffering in the body of Jesus for the sake of the work and the kingdom of God. If we are not prepared to wake up and reach the place where we realize that we do go through much for the sake and the name of the Lord Jesus, that there is a cross to carry and that we must have a strength and a willingness to take up the cross and follow him, then we will not be ready to handle what we may well face. And there it is. I referred to James this morning being the first disciple to lay down his life literally as a martyr. They tell us that Peter was possibly crucified upside down. It was Peter, wasn't it? I've had a mental block. Yeah, yeah thank you. Incredible, isn't it? What a decision that man made. So there might be no confusion between him and Christ. You see, there could only be one man on the throne. My wife and I right now, we are going through a season where we're asking some uh, far-reaching questions and some deep questions uh, of ourselves and of the Lord and all that may well lie ahead for us. I'm, I'm 57 next, and uh, when you get to those key stages, you know, I can think, well, three years, and I'm going to hit the big six O. Not quite ready for me bus pass, brother, but I'm not far off. <laughs> <laughs> And you start asking those big questions. I want to tell you, as I said last night, I think sometimes, you know, maybe we've got some things right and we've got some things wrong and we've not got everything perfect. And, and it's good for you to hear a preacher and a pastor and a leader just recognize that, you know, we minister out of weakness. We minister out of imperfection. We minister out of failure very often rather than just success all the time. Uh, and, and in bearing my heart, I think, wow, what an amazing man Peter was, that he did not want there to be any confusion over the type of death that he died compared with Christ. And so this lower nature is a real issue. Two things we must be aware of when it comes to our lower nature. Firstly, it's the basic nature you were born with. You've got it. You've got it. By the way, that's your sin problem. 
That's your sin problem. Sin is your nature. Not so much what you just do. It's part of you. The Bible says you were born in sin. And without Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are without hope. And only by coming in faith and confession and acknowledgement of our absolute guilt and need can we come and say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me, renew me, restore me. I've messed up. I'm nowhere and I'm desperate. I need you. Forgive me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. And why does God do that? That his son might rise again, that his spirit might come into you when you give your life to Christ and transform your nature to give you a new nature because God rules in the new nature. Listen, God will never rule in the old nature. We want that. We would be quite happy to have a Saul on the throne. We'd be quite happy for Jesus to somehow make it all right for him to rule in the old nature. That doesn't fit in. That's why so many today are looking for an improvement of life. An improvement of how your life is going. But God has a deeper and a bigger work to do in us than that. We don't have time to look at it, but maybe this week you could read it for me. Because in Galatians 5, you'll find that the Apostle Paul, he lists out the activities of the lower nature. Check it. Check it out. Check your life and see. Are there any of those things going on? Not fit my ear, brother. I'm bringing my own mic next time. <laughs> Paul, remind me. And then in the same chapter, he lists out the activities of the new nature, the fruits of the Spirit. Check it. How's your temper? How's your anger? What's your nature really like? What are you really like as a person? Are you a spear thrower? Or is the character of Jesus being birthed and growing in you? Listen, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. 
I realise that I'm one of those guys you either really like or don't. Tough. <laughs> Do you think I'm bothered? I'm not. It's not that I don't care for you. But my job tonight is to deliver truth. My role for Christ tonight is to lay the challenge of God in your heart. That's not always easy. But I do that because I believe God is speaking so powerfully in this meeting, asking us, are we living by the lower nature with Saul on the throne? Or are we living by the higher nature with Christ enthroned in our hearts? You were born with the basic nature of sin. The next thing you need to be aware of is it will not be completely eradicated until you receive your resurrected body. But its power to control you has been neutralized by Christ being enthroned. You do no longer need to live with sin as your master. It does not have the right to control you. It can lead you if you give it permission to fulfill things and do deeds in your physical body that you know in your heart are not right. Paul the Apostle said that the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, I do. Who can set me free? Oh, wretched man that I am. He wasn't referring to the wretched man of the new man in himself. He was recognizing the old man was wretched and that the power of sin and death that had once controlled him now no longer had the right to control him because the law of the spirit of life had set him free from the law of sin and death. Thanks be to God. He leads me in triumphant procession of victory. Thanks be to God for all that Christ has done. And so Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. He's the man. He's the man. Hallelujah. And then Paul gives us the principles of how to operate to ensure that Christ is upon the throne. Because the flesh is subtle and crafty. Let me list them out for you very carefully. Are you ready? They all come from that wonderful chapter 5. Do not continue in sin. Be baptized, buried with him in baptism. Recognize you have been crucified with Christ. 
Count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. I think that's chapter 6, isn't it? Yeah. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought back from death to life. Offer parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. Sin shall not be your master. An amazing victory came into my life and it affects the anointing. I don't want to embarrass anybody, and as children, I'm going to couch my language. But as a man, an amazing victory came into my life when flesh had ceased to control my physical body. Can you handle me saying that? You know what I'm referring to. Sin shall no longer be your master. We died with him. We will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. I'm moving towards a close tonight and I want to peel away, as it were, the veil between flesh and spirit to pull aside that which hides the eternal and glimpse into the throne room of glory and say, what do we see? And we do that by reading the word of God and allowing the illumination of the spirit. So I want you to flick over in your Bible to Revelation chapter 1. And we're back with dear John again, who wanted to be at one side of the throne with Christ. And this is the visitation of God, the revelation that he experienced, and this is what he's seeing. And I'm going to just jump around verses 4 to 8 first. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before this, his throne and from Jesus Christ who is faithful, is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Hallelujah. Ha <laughs> ha! Men may think they are on the throne. Politicians and kings may think that they are in control. But Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Well, that may well be physical kings, but it also may be principalities and authorities. To him who loves and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord your God, who is or was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then come on further with me we'll pick it up at verse 12 I turned 
around to see the voice who was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest I read it this morning his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters in his right hand he held seven stars out of his mouth came a double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. I am convinced that we are moving towards the end times. And I believe the church of Jesus need have no fear because our God is seated on the throne. And every authority and every power and every event that will take place and unfold across this world in our lifetime is subject to his permission. Things are not out of control as you watch your TV and you see, and, and I'm just being careful tonight about my language. I'm, I was going to share some things. I'm not going to share some things because we have some little ones here. But let me tell you, there needs be no fear in the mind and the heart of those who belong to God. For our God is on the throne but he must be on the throne of how our hearts also flick over with me to chapter 19 would you do that chapter 19 and let these words just thrill your heart look at verse 11 with me I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him right on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress in the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has written this name written king of kings and lord of lords Church, don't we need a fresh revelation of just how awesome our king of kings really is? We have lost that dimension of awesome awareness of how all-powerful 
our savior really is. Who can describe him? The language of John is inadequate. Not able to explain anything like the enormity and the bigness of God who holds the stars in his hands. The universe came out of his mouth. So we need have no fear of the kings of the earth. No soul raised up by man, a man, a flesh man on the throne, has any power and authority. There will be one raised up and permitted for a seven-year period alone. You know his number. You will know him. But he is nothing. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we are so taken up with the things of the world. Oh God, help us. And then finally, would you move over to Revelation chapter 22, the last book in the Bible. Let me read these final verses for you. Verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne room of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and forever. Think about the bigness of God again. We don't need the sun. He is the light. <laughs> Do you think I'm worried? I'm not. There is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There are those who might think they can challenge his authority. Their destiny is definitely set. Here we are today, living in this period of time, 
I believe the church is being challenged to dethrone self and enthrone Christ. In times past, we thought we already had. I don't think we have. Surely, only by his own work in us can we remove the man of flesh from the throne and put Christ in his rightful place. Are you asking for a throne and a crown? Or are you willing to take up your cross and follow him until we see him? And regardless of what we must walk through or go through, whatever the extreme, we will willingly lay down our lives as his servants to the wounded servant, to the wounded savior, to the wounded king who is now seated in heavenly places. Thanks be to God for the authority of his word, for the unction of his spirit, and for the power of his anointing that enables us to be strong and walk through in his victory. Let's bow our heads. I don't know whether you've planned a particular song, Grace, but there's two songs coming to my mind as we make a response, and I don't know how trapped on the dots you are, but um, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed. And then secondly, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. How wonderful to bring a response like that. Is that a possibility with all your technology? Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God in C. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord here tonight? Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I ask you as we come through this next moment with the Lord, if, if nobody can do anything dramatic and know anybody speaking out with big volume and things like that, can we just go gracious and very tender? Because sometimes we scare the dove away.
Hallelujah. Shall we gently stand together? Wonderful Jesus.
in the power of your love. Sing the second verse again, Lord, unveil my eyes. Lord, unveil my eyes. Make it a prayer. Don't just sing empty words. For knowledge of for a moment because I don't feel we're going to go down the traditional route of a Sunday evening that you've maybe experienced with me before in the past. What I want us to do right now is to, you know, let me just share these things with you once again. I'm just being careful about my language. But you do realize that the great force from the north that will come against the people of God is Russia, China, Iraq, Iran, all those nations that will come. And you can see across the face of the earth that we are in serious, serious situation right now. Why am I preaching about the throne room and the rulership of God in the hearts of the believers? Because I tell you why. We are going to need to know. We are going to need to be absolutely filled with the knowledge that God is totally sovereign and that he is in total control of all things. Now, whether your theology is in one department or the other, I'm not interested in that tonight. That's not what I'm here for. But what I do know is this, that the church of the living God needs to be on fire and filled with the glory and the strength and the power of the Most High. And the other thing we need to be is totally united together in the work of the kingdom of God. And there is nothing like facing these type of things across the globe, 
to bring the body of Jesus together. You know, the greatest time of growth in the body of Jesus has always been in its toughest times and most difficult days. And this is a wake-up call from this platform this weekend for us to be aware of the season and the times that we are living in. And I believe with all my heart that these messages about Christ being on the throne of our lives are an absolute necessity right now for us as the body of Jesus. And I believe what we should do, first of all, is we should just begin to pray that God would open heaven over the body and that he would begin to pour out his Holy Spirit. Now listen, if you came for prayer tonight and you're hungry for a divine touch, don't worry, that time will come. That will happen tonight. I'm not in a rush. I'm quite happy to stay all the way through to midnight. All right, I'm here for for the work of the kingdom. So don't worry about that. But I am absolutely sure as we draw to a close on this weekend, we should lift our voices in a chorus of prayer and declaration, lifting up first of all a crescendo of praise to the King of Kings and then declaring that the will of God be done in the nations, that we should have a, a desperation in our heart for us to press through. And even as you pray like this, and you might pray different from any other time you've prayed in the body of the Lord. You know, we're not listening to you, what you're saying. We just want you to get lost in this and begin to open your heart and rend the heavens as it were, but to pray differently, put a fire in your heart and stir up the gift of God within you. You know, that could, that very action in you could just cause you to have a divine touch from God, even where you stand, because you're not thinking of yourself, you're thinking of the body of Jesus and what is going on around the world. So I'm going to ask the team Where's our great drummer? Come on, bro. Get on the sticks there, would you? And where's Kathy? Kathy, get on that microphone over there. Where's the band? Come on, let's let's have the band up. And we're going to move into a different section of our meeting. Uh, and we're going to begin to pray. But before we pray, we're going to sing, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And let God come upon us for ministry. Now, I know sometimes when you go into this type of thing, the temptation is for people to think, I want to escape right now. The meeting's over. I want to go. Listen, if that's where you are, change your mind because there's something enormous happening around the world and you need to be part of that. If you need to go because of the children, I fully understand. We're not going to judge you if you walk out the door, by the way. But what we are saying is if you can stay, it would be a great help for this meeting as we move towards a close. Come on, let's rise together and sing this great song, Spirit of the Living God. Sing it, church.
implement the new one? Is that okay? Uh, there's hardly any difference in the tune, is there really? Spirit of the living God. Oh, help me, Jesus. I tell you what, let's go with the flow. Go with the old one. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Sing it, come on, church. Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on me. Don't you love it when I plant them together? <laughs> I wonder right now if we together could link our hands and begin to pray. I wonder if you would pray out loud with me. I'm going to lead us in a few moments in prayer, but I wonder if you could speak in tongues and if you could just call upon the name of the Lord that God would just be totally enthroned in the body of Jesus that there would be a move of God over the church in our time. Come on, church, let's put some volume in our prayers right now. In the name of Jesus, open your heart and open your mouth. Get Pentecostal in your declaration. In the name of Jesus, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Father, we call for an open heaven over the body of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in our day and in our time. I ask, oh God, that the body of Jesus would be renewed in strength, in power and authority. I ask, oh God, that you would be enthroned in every heart, in every member that there would be a tide and an anointing that would touch the body of Jesus as we move through this significant time in history. Oh God, I pray that you would touch your people with revival in the name of Jesus. I ask for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let your church arise in this generation, Lord. Let your people arise in this generation to be the people that you've called us to be. Oh God, I ask for an open heaven. 
over the body of Jesus and over this time right now. For those who are being persecuted right around the world, those that are laying down their life as martyrs for their faith. Oh God, we ask that you would strengthen all those who, who are laying down, paying the greatest price, those who are imprisoned, those who have been beaten, those who are under the onslaught of the enemy right now. In the name of Jesus, pour out the Holy Ghost, strengthen, give courage, oh God, that those that are weak be strengthened with power from on high. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.